Welcome to Saltgrass, Turning the Goldfields Green, a show all about how local communities can engage with the climate crisis at a grassroots level. This episode is all about solar bulk buying and getting more solar onto household rooftops. Joe Captain coordinates a not-for-profit project called MASH, More Australian Solar Homes. We talk about why household solar is such a great way to get renewable energy at a community-wide scale happening quickly and also makes sense for the individual household. Saltgrass is produced in Castlemaine on Jara country, home of the Jajarung. We pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Salt. 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 Yeah. Salt. 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 Grassroots. 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 Salt of the earth people. Grassroots, Grassroots change. Saltgrass. Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green on saltgrass.podbean.com. I work at MASG, which is the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group, and we often get phone calls of people who want to talk to MASH, which is the more Australian Solar Homes. Is that right, the acronym? Correct. That's right, yes. And because we both started and associated a lot in our local small town of Castlemaine in central Victoria, we both came out of the same sort of movement and, and time period in our town of sustainability and lots of projects getting up and started. So the two organisations have a lot of a lot of people in town get us confused and they call MASG when they want to ask questions about MASH, <laughs> which we're very happy to forward people and we give them the correct phone number. Um, but it's, it's, an... it's fantastic. You're like our call centre. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So tell us a little bit how MASH actually started. MASH started in mid-2014 and it was um, a project of the Hub Foundation and the Hub Foundation had literally just been set up, was, was set up in at that time and the first project of it was to, you know, do a solar bulk buy and the idea was just to do it in Castlemaine and it was the idea of Neil and Heather Barrett who had been involved in um, the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group. Mm, they were the founders, really, of the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group. Yeah, that's right. So really passionate environmentalists and really sort of worked super hard and put all their you know, skills and expertise into the movement, really. And then I think they, they thought, well, let's do something new, something fresh. And there had been, I think, very successful bog by which was that Solar Cities program, I think around sort of 2012, and it was very, very successful. And it was the time when the government had um, the premium feed-in tariff, you know, so people were very excited about putting on what was at the time, you know, solar systems. They were the early adopters. And now putting on typically like 1.5 kilowatt to 3 kilowatt systems. That's me. I did that exactly then. And I just snuck in. I snuck in with that 66 cent tariff, which was has been amazing. We paid for the panels plus some, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But the government quickly realised how many people wanted to get solar on their roofs and withdrew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was just an amazing deal. And for people who got it, they're still on it, which is incredible. I might be completely wrong, but I think that was the kind of the first 
spot by in this town in Castlemaine. Yeah, and that was linked to a university study as well. And Mazg also attempted to get a solar farm up. And we've also attempted in our past to get a wind farm up and both of them fell down because I think they were just a bit too early. Even just by a year or two, they were a bit too early and people weren't ready and there were a lot of objections to council and they just didn't get up. But I think that's the where the power of MASH comes in because MASH is just, it's not asking for a whole farm to be translated into solar panels. It's just asking for existing roof space and to get everyday people involved. So the, the idea was just to do, you know, a little bulk buy and thought, well, there's been, you know, a few years between the previous bulk buy, that Solar Cities one, maybe this time, you know, a good time to do another one. That was the idea, I think, um, that Neil and Heather had. So they set up the Hub Foundation as the kind of the vehicle for doing it. And I was I was taken on on a sort of, you know, casual basis just to, I guess, be the legs on the ground <laughs> doing, you know, the hard yakker. And it was a lot of fun. We set it up and um, it was that classic bog buy in the sense that let's find people who are interested, collect their expressions of interest. And then once we've got enough people ready to go, then place an order through a solar supplier and get, you know, a delivery of heaps of panels and (laughs) inverters and then get them installed. And we thought the target would be 50, 50 solar systems. And we got there. And I remember the time when that big truck came down from the solar wholesaler from Sydney and Neil arranged for a great big mash banner to be put on the truck just as it was on the outside of Castlemaine. And then the truck rolled into town with the banner and it was a, you know, really, really exciting moment. And the people who had ordered the 50 systems, some of them had turned up to kind of, you know, celebrate that moment. And, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so of course the benefit of a bulk buy is that you all collectively benefit from getting cheaper panels because you're buying a whole big bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, that was the original idea and that is still the case that, you know, because of the number of people ordering the solar, we can get better prices. But I think as we've moved along and learnt over the last six years that there's a lot more to it than just the price. Solar is also about the quality and it's about the service. So repair and maintenance and things like that, is that what you mean? Well, there's a lot of steps in the process of just installing solar because you're dealing with the network distributor, which is PowerCore. You're dealing with the electricity retailers. So that's just in terms of getting um, the system set up for the feed-in tariff. So just to be clear for the audience, um, PowerCore is the overall energy provider, but the retailers are the one who you get your bills through and pay your money to. Yeah. But they all work with PowerCore to provide you energy. Yes, yes, that's right. So all that is, there's a lot of paperwork involved in just setting up a solar system. And it's a lot of stuff that people just don't want to deal with, isn't it? It's a headache. Yeah, 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 that's right. And it's got to be a nice, smooth process. Otherwise, you know, it can really cause a lot of frustration. So one thing we're, I'm really keen on is finding solar suppliers who've um, got that administrative capability so that it just is kind of like no hassle for the people who are buying the systems. And then, of course, there's a lot of rules and regulations, quite rightly, around solar and how it's installed. So 
they've really kind of, I think, tightened up. The regulators have tightened up about, you know, how solar should be installed just to make sure that it's obviously safe as, as a starting point. You know, everything is done electrically in the right way. So there's a lot more safety rules that have come in in the last few years. And it's really important that you get a solar retailer and installers who are absolutely spot on with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think we price is one thing. But, yeah, I mean, as in anything you buy that's a big deal, you know, particularly relating to your house, the service side's really important. Absolutely. So how has MASH grown over the years? Because I know that you're no longer with the Hub Foundation. Oh, right. So in terms of the ownership of MASH, it was with the Hub Foundation until I think it was 2018. And um, at that time, then Neil and Heather Barrett were getting into the development of the paddock, which was their, I guess, an eco development in Castle, Maine, which was their own kind of private initiative. And that was obviously, it, it is a very, very big project, a very exciting project, but it was just taking a huge amount of their time. And they were starting to think, gosh, you know, I'm not sure if we've got the time to also, you know, do the management of MASH and, you know, all the paperwork that's involved with that and all the rest of it. And then the Central Victorian Greenhouse Alliance had a new executive officer at the time, so Rob Law. And he was interested in the MASH project sort of moving into the CVGA as just another service, if you like, that could be offered to the CVGA client base, which is the councils in this part of Victoria. So it kind of kind of worked, you know, kind of met the needs for the CVGA. You know, it was like an extra service they could offer. And also because um, Neil and Heather were moving and focusing more on the paddock, that kind of worked too. So it was good timing. Yeah, great. And so the CVGA is an alliance of councils, really, who are all working together almost to do similar things like bog buys and help each other all achieve sustainability goals by by collaborating together. And it's it's a lot of councils, isn't it? Yeah, it's 13 councils. So it's councils everywhere from Ararat and the Macedon Ranges, Shire and Hepburn Shire and obviously Mount Alexander Shire, all the way up to Mildura. So it's really a really a massive area. And so does that mean MASH is now servicing that many councils or is it just a slow creep because I know you're now next door in Hepburn but I wasn't sure how far afield you'd started to to go <laughs> a slow creep is like it reminds me of something where perhaps it's oh. nice you know, like some... <laughs> I was thinking more along like a, a vine like, in the garden know. oh beautiful that's a nice way of thinking yep. <laughs> Yeah, look, yes, that's right. So the, the MASH bulk buy is being made available to new councils in the region. It's not all of them by any means, because every time we, we go into a new council area, it's, it involves a lot of close working with that council and, and maybe the local sustainability group in that shire. And I think every sort of, um, I'm learning that every Every shire has its own particular profile, its own needs, its own community, and that it's so important just to work with that community and understand where they're at, the, how it works, and yeah, the demographic. And so, MASH has moved into the Swan Hill region, and that's been a lot of fun. We actually call it the Mali Sun Solar Bog Buy because we wanted people to sort of identify with it as their own thing and that's in conjunction with the Swan Hill Rural City Council 
and that's involved a bit of travel, of course, before COVID, because we we started it last year and going up to Swan Hill and meeting the people there and also doing, you know, talking solar to farmers as well. So I've been to Robinvale, I've been talking to almond growers and, you know, orange growers and because there's heaps and heaps of farming up there. So some big solar as well. But yeah, just more solar on homes. And I think there people are very much, it's all about, you know, knowing people and meeting people face to face. It's that kind of community. And they just love that, you know, face-to-face contact. And and then, you know, if they hear that their neighbours got it and if it's been a good experience, that that's everything. That really, really counts. So, yeah. Yeah. And there we use a local installer who's also one of the local footy stars. Oh, great. <laughs> um, never yeah, hurts, never hurts. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's um, that's good and, and, uh, and that's working really, really well. So, yeah. Yeah, great. So let's talk about why it's important to get solar onto rooftops in terms of climate change and the climate crisis and how we really have to move to renewable energies quickly in lots of ways, including wind and solar farms and biodigesters and whatever else people are coming up with. But let's talk about why solar on rooftops is so important. Well, solar on rooftops really just makes sense because you're generating clean electricity for the point where it's going to be used. So it's very, very efficient. It means that you don't have to bring in electricity from, you know, hundreds of kilometres away, you know, from you know, coal-fired power stations that are a long, long way away. Just putting aside the fact that obviously coal-fired power stations are a dirty form of power, but it's also the inefficiency with transmission. So local generation is really, really important. And that's where, you know, anything that's local generation that's clean has got to be a good thing. Because mm, power is lost as it travels per kilometre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I never really appreciated that. I didn't know that until I started working for MASH because, you know, my background, I didn't really know much about solar. And when I learned that, I thought, wow, that just makes so much sense. Yeah. Put it, you know, on your roof because you're going to be using it in your home. So, the, I mean, there is still always a little bit of loss, you know, between the power being generated by the panels and there's still a bit of loss between that and then what you can actually use in the home but it's minimal compared to the loss that happens when it's traveling on the lines all the way from the coal stations. The Latrobe Valley to central Victoria yeah or even from a wind farm down on the Otways to to central Victoria that's a long way for electricity to travel and to to think that we even lose some power even as it's traveling like two meters between the solar panel and the inverter and then to the (laughs) Yeah. Is, is interesting, yeah. I mean, it's like you think about food miles and you go, well, I want to produce my food locally. I want food that's produced locally. I mean, most people kind of get that concept. Well, it's the same with, with your energy. Why not produce it locally? Yeah, and so it's not just about how much power you're using and how big your power bill is. If you're looking at your carbon footprint, we probably should be calculating how much power is lost as it travels to the house and include that on our carbon footprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that is calculated when the feed-in tariff is um, is calculated and that's, you know, what it should be. So the Essential Services Commission looks at all that kind of thing and they look at what is the, the cost of energy being, you know, transported, if you like, from remote sources to the home and then what's the benefit if it's generated instead 
at the home or locally. And that's one of the reasons why they were put into their calculation for um, working out what the feed-in tariff should be. Historically, solar used to be really expensive and only people who were very proactive and very passionate about solar would invest in it. And knowing that it would become cheaper over time, as technology does, but it's now become pretty affordable for people to tap into it for an average sort of person. But what are some of the barriers that people face when it comes to investing in solar in their homes? Well, first there could be, I guess, a sort of physical barrier in the sense that if the home is very shaded, then it, it's probably not going to be suitable for solar. It depends on the degree of shading. So there's that kind of just, I guess, physical thing that you do need the sun on your roof. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. if you do live somewhere that's really in the bush or whatever, and, you know, obviously everyone loves their trees, um, that's one thing. Another one might be the nature of the ownership of the property. So if it's, if it's a tenanted property, then it's definitely a lot harder for whatever reason. I think there's a variety of reasons to get that solar on that roof. Yeah, so if you don't own the property, it's tricky. Well, look, there there is um, a state government rebate for tenanted properties now, but it's the landlord who's got to basically sign up to it. Which makes sense. Obviously, with, with the agreement of the tenant, so there needs to be a formal agreement in place. But for whatever reason, we could talk about that too, it's just not as popular as solar on owner-occupied dwellings. And I just think that's a big shame. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And do you think it's because landlords don't actually see the benefit of the lesser electricity bill? It's the tenants who see the benefit. Yeah, yeah. So the landlord doesn't have to pay the bill. It's the tenant who pays the bill. And I guess the the cost um, of the system is the landlord's responsibility. With the new state rebate, um, the landlord would get the rebate of $1,850 off the cost of the solar system in the same way that people who own and occupy their property get. And in addition, there's an interest-free loan also of $1,850. And so together, the two things really completely slash the cost of solar (laughs) and it is possible for the landlord to negotiate an agreement with the tenant whereby the tenant pays up to half the cost of that interest-free loan. So when you look at the numbers it does really work. Um, It's just I guess you know something the landlord's got to really want to do. And I guess for the tenant as well if they're really confident that their electricity bills will go right down helping pay for the panels might actually be a cost-effective yes, thing for yes, them. It's yes. not that like they're paying for something that they don't get to reap the benefits of. No, 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 no. So when when you look at the numbers, the the monthly repayment for the tenant would be a maximum of twenty dollars a month, and if your set bill savings by having the solar are greater than twenty dollars a month, then you know you're winning. winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, because I think people who are renting don't even think about even approaching a landlord about getting solar because it intuitively you think there's nothing to make either of you want to do that really. Yeah well we're trying to encourage it so at the moment working with Cantwell Property who have you know quite a lot of landlords on their books and just trying to raise awareness of it through the the landlords. And those those state government incentives are are such a strong thing like that's brilliant. Oh for sure they're they're really really good. good yeah. Yeah 
when I was chatting to you before we started the interview, you mentioned something called the solar coaster. And I think these sort of incentives as they come and go is exactly what you were referring to. Tell, yeah. us, tell us about the solar coaster. <laughs> oh, gosh, the solar coaster is the kind of... Um, when I started in solar six years ago, I had no idea that solar was such an up and down industry. And when it, the ups and downs first started happening, well, the downs in particular, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe, you know, government policy. Sometimes it's amazing and things just really just swing along and it's just fabulous and people really loving solar and going for it. But when it goes wrong, like, you know, this may be something in terms of maybe there's not enough rebates or the process for getting the rebates is is, is is tricky for people then oh my god the drama you know and it's really really it, it is drama <laughs> for a lot of people and and we're there to help of course yeah so you know I hear the stories and we do our best but at the end of the day if you know for instance if there's greater demand for a rebate than there is supply as it is at the moment with the battery rebate then it's just really unfortunate yeah because people get caught up in that have the heart set on maybe getting a battery with the rebate and then they go through the process and the process is you know big hassle for them and it's not a good experience yeah sure so I think batteries is also something that's really come forward in recent years like previously batteries weren't as efficient as they are now and couldn't store as much power and they were also very, very expensive, so it just didn't seem worth it. So tell us how batteries have changed over time. Batteries are still expensive, so I'll start with that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I wish they weren't so expensive. Um, everyone's sort of hoping that the price will come down. The price is still up there. But having said that, the interest in battery storage is phenomenally high, and, and that has been the case for the last few years, certainly the last three or four years. And that's fantastic. People, I think, just love the idea of greater energy um, self-sufficiency. Yeah. And that's just incredibly popular. The price, for instance, for a Tesla Powerwall, which is the battery that we offer through the MASH project, is around about $15,000 installed. 15000 That's so much money. I reckon so that's a money. lot of money. <laughs> I mean, that's not including the solar, right? Yeah, wow. <laughs> that is just the battery. That is huge. <laughs> It's huge, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's huge. Um, there is a battery rebate, which brings it down by just over four thousand dollars. So as you can imagine, that's really popular. Yeah, but when you hear the rebates four thousand dollars, you know the total cost is going to be a lot. <laughs> it's still just over ten thousand. I'm absolutely, to be honest, gobsmacked <laughs> that people are still like buying them. So this time last year, we we probably only sold maybe five. Tesla Powerwalls, I don't know, something like that. Not a lot. In the last three months, we've sold now over 30. Just in three months. Yeah, 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 yeah. So people are obviously seeing them as worthwhile. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I think there's all sorts of reasons why people do them, but I would never say do it if you're really just hoping to cut your electricity bill in half or anything because it, it just won't probably being really controversial right now but you know (laughs) (laughs) I mean it it might help in some cases but um you know the payback is still over 10 years for most people you know quite a lot over 10 years and the warranty is is 10 years so (laughs) I I think that equation needs to kind of change before um it becomes super popular so what does it allow for people to do though when they get a battery how does it change how they use electricity 
With a battery, I think one big reason why people like a battery, particularly the Tesla Powerwall, because it can do it, is it provides protection in the case of a power outage, whether it be a blackout or just a small outage, which is like a brownout. And those outages are becoming increasingly common where the grid's a bit weaker. So the grid's not like perfect right across the board. You know, there's parts where it's areas where it's stronger and there's other areas where it's weaker. So if you live in one of those areas where it's weaker and you really, for whatever reason, really want power security for your home. So you might be, um, I don't know, you might have water pumps that are important because maybe you're a farm or maybe... Even in the case of a bushfire, you need to have electricity that's not grid connected. Yeah, that's it. And so that's been one of, that's a really good um, example. And that's um, for a number of the systems that have been purchased, that's been the reason. So people have done it either because they want to have that, be able to protect their property if a bushfire comes so they can run their water pumps to help put out the fire. Or we've also done them for safety in in an area. So the Hepburn Recreation Reserve is an example. So if there's a bushfire, it's a community safe place. Yeah, they call it safer place. Yeah, they can't (laughs) Um, guarantee anything, can they? No, no. So they're through our community bonus kitty and also with the support of Hepburn Wind and Hepburn Shy Council and a grant from Bank Australia. um, We've put on a solar system with a Tesla Powerwall, which means that if there is a bushfire and the power goes out, that place can still have electricity so they can run you know the lights and the fridges and just provide the comfort for people you know just still having the power if they've all retreated there during an extreme bushfire event yeah and the same with the Malmesbury fire station that the CFA so that's the same they've through our community bonus and also Bank Australia grant and with the support of the Sustainable Malmesbury and, you know, so all those groups coming together, again, they've got that same sort of system, solar plus a Tesla Powerwall. So tell me a bit about this community work. It's, I was going to ask you that next anyway, so that's a good segue. Yeah, well, we do it in two ways. One way is that um, 1% of the sales revenue that goes through the bulk buy, we put into a kitty, which we call our community bonus pot, if you like. And then we record which shires it comes from. So we can say, okay, in Mount Alexander and Macedon Ranges, um, we've had this much revenue go through the project. Therefore, 1% of it goes into the kitty. And we will then put a call out to through the like local paper, like the Midland Express and maybe through um, MAS as well and councils and say, okay, community groups and schools, if you think you could benefit from some, from some solar, <laughs> put your hands up. Here's the application form. Here's the criteria. Here's the deadline. You know, we'd love to hear from you if, if you'd like some solar. So we put a call out every so often and, and we receive applications for solar. And that's always really good. And I always wish we had more money to give away because there's always such strong applications. So how many places have you done that with, do you reckon? I think it's now about 16. And I know just looking at the numbers yesterday that we'll be able to announce another tranche of money to give out to community groups. And most of those have been in the Mount Alexander Shire and Macedon and Hepburn areas. We have done one, yeah, one so far in um, the Swan Hill area, which was for a disability service group. So it's my dog barking, that's Ziggy in the background. (laughs) And um, one that we're installing at the moment is the Woodend Neighbourhood House. And that's, uh, I think, 10 kilowatt system. And that's also in conjunction with Macedon Ranges Sustainability Group. 
So that one should be going in shortly. Yeah, that's great. And so overall with MASH, how many homes have you put solar panels onto? Like what what difference has, has MASH done in the six years that you've been in operation? Yeah, well, overall, it's over 1,500 um, solar homes. That's amazing. That we've done. Yeah, thank you. And I've just looked at the numbers. And while we haven't got absolutely accurate numbers for some of our earlier bulk buys, it looks like in the Mount Alexander Shire, it's around about 700 to 750 homes that have been installed with solar through MASH since 2014. And that is around about three megawatt of solar. So it is a mount of a small solar farm. And that's good news, I think. Did you say there was a second way that you give back to the community? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm also really excited about the other way that we give. And that's really as a kind of um, a facilitator for systems. So we then look for money for, through grants. So as I said, there was a Bank Australia one, which was a big grant, I think around about... $30,000 that the Central Victorian Greenhouse Alliance applied for with to with specific solar projects in mind. And then once we get that money, that sort of acts as seed money to then get money from, you know, other sources to make bigger solar systems. And that's how we managed to get the money to put those two big solar and battery systems in. They're pretty expensive. They're big ticket items. And that's that was really, really good. And then I guess the other way is um, working with PowerShop, who have a community stream. If you buy, I can't quite remember what they call it, but there's um, a power pack you can choose to buy through PowerShop where that extra money that you pay per kilowatt hour goes straight into community solar projects. And through that, we've done solar on Corinna, which is the childcare service on Templeton Street in Castlemaine and that was a lovely installation and also we've done a really big one at the Social Foundry in Kyneton which if you don't know that just go check them out it's an amazing not-for-profit social enterprise and it's helping get young people upskilled and into the workplace and they do awesome work and they also have a great cafe it's probably doing takeaway at the moment but great cafe beautiful site and we did 20 kilowatt there yeah, so that was that was really good. So yeah, I, I love that kind of work too because you can get some quite big systems on, and that otherwise might not happen. Yeah, and so you guys are a not-for-profit as well. Tell us a little bit about how that works. Yeah, so Mash is not an organisation. Mash is just a project. The organisation is the Central Victorian Greenhouse Alliance, and the Central Victorian Greenhouse Alliance is a not-for-profit organization and it owns MASH. So that's kind of how it works. Yeah. I guess the purpose of the Central Victorian Greenhouse Alliance is to help create or help move this whole region towards greater use of renewable energy. So that's the reason CVGA exists and to support councils to make that happen. So that's really what CVGA is about. And so MASH is just sort of falls naturally into, I guess, that mission. So it fits really well, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what made you get involved with MASH and and I guess m- maybe what I'm really asking is, what has it changed how you feel about climate change to work with? Because you said earlier that you you didn't know that much about solar when you started no (laughs) no (laughs) has it changed has has it has it changed how you feel about climate change and and renewable energy working at mash 
Yeah, it's certainly given me a much greater awareness of all the issues. I mean, I grew up in a household that was very environmental, very much greeny. My dad was, you know, the ultimate khaki wearing greeny kind of <laughs> bush guy. We'd go bush holidays all the time. You know, we had the composting going and <laughs> all sorts of things, just camping all the time. And, you know, my dad wrote a PhD on renewable energy. He wrote that in, you know, in the 70s and 80s. And, and through that, they knew the Barretts. So that was kind of, there was a family connection. But I was always a bit like, oh God, that's my dad. He's just got this, you know, pet subject. I was a bit like turned off because <laughs> it was so intense. Then I guess it's sort of been interesting. I've kind of come to full circle and I have a child now and, and I understand that it's important that, you know, we do work to make the future as bright as possible for the next generation and the generations to come. And part of that is making sure or doing what we can to, I guess, leave the world in a good state, a clean state, and, and climate change is obviously a huge, huge issue. So I'm, I'm really pleased to be working in the area. But what really appealed to me about MASH, um, well, there's a number of things. One is that it's working in the local community, which I love. So I'm very pleased and very happy to be living here in Castlemaine. I think it's a great community and people are so into it and so friendly and supportive. I really also, I'm very practical and I love the fact that with MASH you get fast results. Like you can get the solar on real quick. <laughs> you know, so, and I, I love the idea of the big projects, solar farms and all that, but I just think I'm a bit too impatient for them. <laughs> Because <laughs> sure. they take so long to get off the ground. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot, years of planning and getting permits and rallying the money and getting the community on board. It's it's a big, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, and I'm not so really into administration, to be honest, and, and yeah. the paperwork <laughs> and all that, it just drives me nuts. And so I just love the fact that with residential solar in particular, it happens really quickly, you know, if everything's going well. For instance, in the last three months, We've taken now over half a megawatt of orders in solar. That's three months. It's half a megawatt, yeah. you know, and that's in the Mount Alexander Shire and Macedon Ranges and a bit in the Hepburn Shire. So that, that's amazing, you know, and that's really fast and that's going on right now. So over half of that's been installed, you know, and that's what we need because we're talking climate change and it's happening quickly and we need a mix of stuff that's fast and a, and a mix of those big ticket items that are obviously slow burners. And that's what I liked about MASH. And I think that was probably one of the big reasons why Neil and Heather wanted to do, you know, residential solar bulk buy because they're similar. They, they wanted to, they're like impatient, they, climate change is happening. We need to do things that make results now, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's brilliant. I love it that so much solar is going on. Um, I would just love to see more solar going on for people who are struggling to afford it. Mm. So I'm, I'm just personally a, a bit concerned about that sort of potentially that energy divide between the rich and the poor. That's a really good point. So, you know, I love it that and whoever gets solar, I think that's fantastic. You know, all good, all good. But I just love to see more people who perhaps, you know, are struggling a bit more with their income or whatever to think about solar because now with the rebates, it is possible 
to get solar installed for, you know, not a big system, but maybe three kilowatt system, get it installed for, you know, a few hundred dollars. That's what it is. And then you've got a $40 a month interest free loan for four years. And I think if you just say it like that, nice and simple, you go, okay, I mean, no one, we've just gone through a winter. It's been pretty cold here in Castle Maine. Costs a lot typically to heat houses. And I would just love love it to see more people being able to be comfortable through the winter because they're not worried about putting their electricity on to heat the home. And the fact is that if if people are too poor to be able to afford solar, they then will have larger electricity bills because they're going, you know. So it's actually, I think you're right about the financial unevenness of it. It's like the people who can afford to install solar then get cheaper bills and they probably need the cheaper bills less than the people who can't afford solar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then I think it's a perception thing because, and that's why I just try to do, I mean, because my background is in, you know, marketing communications. And it's just to try and get across the message that right now, actually, you don't need a whole pile of cash to get some solar installed. <laughs> and it's a decent solar system too. And so, and then, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to be benefiting longer term from those lower bills and you'll be more comfortable. Yeah, all of those things, definitely. How do you see, like, I guess you're seeing it up in Swan Hill, is the the slow evolution of different parts of Australian society who are adjusting to the idea of, of you can have solar on your roof. How hard is it to get people who are really unused to it to accept it? Do you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah. Look, there's a really amazing fact I just, I just found. It's like 27% of all Australian homes now have solar. So when I started, it was, God, it was like, that was six years ago. It was more like 15%. So it's really becoming mainstream. And the reason why it's becoming mainstream is because people just see that it's financially, it's it's a good thing because it's cutting their bills. So, and that goes right across like the political divide. So when we work in Swan Hill, obviously they vote differently from down here in Mount Alexandershire, but they still really get solar. They totally get it and they're, they're right into it. Because it makes sense economically as well as... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they love, you know, all sorts of reasons and there's lots of people there who do it for the green reasons too. But we ask that question every time people, you know, request a quote through our bulk buy. Why do you want to do this? <laughs> What's your reasons? And I would say just everywhere people will say, yeah, because I want to cut my electricity bill. Fair enough. Who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then as part, and then sort of allied to that, yeah, you know, because I know then I'm doing something to help the environment, to reduce my carbon footprint. And also, you know, I like to do something that feel like I'm giving back to the community because I know that there will be a benefit to the community with some free solar going on. So I think people like that sort of, you know, do it for a number of reasons. The people who who just say, dear, I just really want to put a power station on my roof, you know, because I want to be generating lots of clean energy. I think they were probably the early adopters. But now we're into, I guess, that the mainstream and maybe the late majority, if you like, or whatever you call it, you know, on the curve. Um, And now it's just like anything, you know, when the price comes down, people see the benefits and they go for it. (laughs) 
That was Joe Captain talking about household solar, bulk buys, renewable energy in general, and the not-for-profit organisation she coordinates called MASH, More Australian Solar Homes. It is worth noting, of course, that there are many retailers and providers for solar panels, if you do want to invest in some, and they can all help you navigate and access government subsidies on solar. Always do your research and always get more than one quote. My name is Alison Hanley, and you have been listening to Saltgrass Turning the Goldfields Green. Links to many of the things discussed in this episode can be found in the description at saltgrass.podbean.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and please subscribe to our email list to get reminders and updates about the show. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. This program was produced in partnership with the Mount Alexander Sustainability Group, MASC, and Main FM. If you'd like to respond to something discussed on the program, we would love to hear from you. Email us at saltgrasspodcast at gmail.com. Salt of the earth people. Grassroots change. Salt grass. Listen to all episodes of Turning the Goldfields Green on saltgrass.podbean.com.